0: Hey, y'all, you're listening to Crying and Trying, the podcast, the comprehensive guide for cultivating emotional intelligence in a fucked up world. This podcast focuses on how oppressive systems and the human experience interact and impact our mental health. As a disclaimer, I am not a licensed mental health care professional or an expert. I am just one human who has lived through the mental health experience, sharing my story and giving my advice. Please, if you or someone you know needs help, seek it out immediately by a professional. I will have hotlines, warm lines, and other support resources available in the show notes.
1: Welcome back to another episode. Today, we're going to do things a little bit differently on Crying and Trying. I think it's really important that uh, Lexi and I are transparent and are really sharing our experiences, as well as, you know, the advice that we're kind of dishing out and the research we're doing. We want to make sure that you guys as our listeners are hearing that we are putting things into practice. So for um, this episode, we're going to talk about Lexi and how they were able to work through a really difficult situation this week. So take it away, Lex.
0: All right. Um, so yeah. And I just building off of what Allie said, I like, really don't want this podcast to turn into a preachy thing where we're just like, here are all the things you need to do. And this is how you're going to get better. And we're so good at this because like, we're not good at this. <laughs> and we're, so I mean, no.
1: sometimes we're good at this.
0: Okay. We're not <laughs> experts at this. Like we're okay. humans and we're not perfect and we're not going to do everything perfectly all the time. And I think it's important to show our listeners that, and just, you know, anybody else who this might get around to that, like, even though we're, we have a mental health podcast and we talk about all these things we can do that we still struggle with it um, periodically. So as I think I've mentioned, I have um, a pretty significant diagnosis. So I have complex PTSD that stems from a lot of childhood trauma and abuse. Um, And so uh, my symptoms typically, like I have a lot of anxiety. I also have a lot of depression and I end up having, um, you know, episodes periodically, probably a few a year. And this is actually something I talked about with my therapist, which we'll get into too. And um, like the intensity of them and the duration of them has changed over time. And it changes from episode to episode, like things aren't linear. Like they haven't gotten easier as I've done more work. I actually feel like my episodes have gotten a little more difficult to work through the more work I've been doing, because like you realize how much more work you have. Right. Um, Ignorance so, is bliss.
1: so sometimes when we're ignorant too, yeah, it seems yeah. a little less daunting. Now, can you, I'm sure you're going to like get into this further, but can you kind of explain in your own definition what an episode is?
0: Yeah. So an episode is in my definition, a period of time when my symptoms are so severe that it is impacting my day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of a loose definition because my symptoms always impact my day-to-day life, but an episode it's, it's more intense and more severe. Um, So for me, I consider an episode, like when I have a, a panic attack, like an actual panic attack, not just like a little bit of anxiety when Mm -hmm. I can't get out of my bed for a few days, when I'm like all of my self-care habits and all of the things that I normally do that make me feel good. I'm not doing those. And then it's impacting everything else. Right. Um, so, I mean, there was a time where I was in an episode for a, probably a year, honestly, like I actually just made a, a, an Instagram post on my personal page, thanking my partner because he's been there through all of that. Like I, there was literally a year where I had an episode, like I call it an episode. Cause I didn't do chores or like cleaning or cooking for a whole year. He did mm-hmm. everything for our whole household. And it was just like, it. it's so hard to have the energy to do things. And so like, I was you know reflecting on how grateful I am that I have him in my life um but one thing that i am really proud of and like i want to start with something i'm proud of before we get into all the shitty stuff about the episode we love that yes because we have to recognize our growth and the good things that we're doing yeah. um i am much more observant and able to more easily recognize the signs that an episode is coming Mm-hmm. Um, which is a good thing and then it's also kind of a bad thing cuz so that's kind of Whoa. where I want to start is I could feel this episode coming on for a few weeks. So um and this is something to like I've done a lot of safety plans which I can share a PDF of that in our show notes if people are interested cuz this is what's really been helpful for me. Every time I go to a partial program we do this safety plan or some version of it and it basically walks through like warning signs, triggers, like things that you know are a symptom of you not doing well. Um, and because I've done a few of these and I've like actually had to go through the process of writing through them, it's it's like easier for me to recognize them in everyday life. So like right. one of my symptoms is binge eating. When I was doing really well, I had my diet in control. I was like not, if I had ice cream, I would have like a quarter of the pint instead of housing the whole pint in one sitting. If I was having chips, I'd have a handful of chips instead of a whole family size bag. But when I started to feel an episode coming on, I was eating way too much junk food. I was eating myself sick. And then outside of that, I wasn't eating at all or like I had no appetite. So I was literally only eating junk food. I wasn't eating fruits or vegetables or protein or the things that I know make me feel better. I wasn't taking my vitamins I was forgetting to take my meds. Um, my startle response was really intense too. And so that's interesting. Um, I mean, for people with PTSD, when they are um, really escalated, they're very hyper vigilant and startle right. responses come in that. So like I was, I ride the train to work and it came up and they make these really loud noise, like the brakes release when they come up. And yeah. every single day last week, I like jumped out of my skin mm. and like, Someone coming around a corner skit. And so like when I'm doing okay and I'm real like de-escalated and at a normal baseline level, my amygdala doesn't respond as much. I'm not in like fight or flight mode. Right. Um, my body and my brain and my mind feels safe. So like I don't react to things as much. But when I am struggling my brain and body and mind don't feel safe. And so I, everything is a danger to me. And that's like a symptom of PTSD. And so like, I noticed that I was being more reactive, that I was Mm -hmm. being jumpy, that like things were getting to me really, um, a lot faster than they typically do when I'm doing quote unquote. Okay.
1: Um, sorry, before you continue, I, I think it's important for us to know this is kind of the first step, right? So yeah. you know, it brings it all back to the ruler method and everything like that, is that you really need to recognize what's going on. And everybody's um, kind of red flags are, are they're they're different, right? So Mm -hmm. what may be a red flag for you is not going to be the same with Lexi's story, but um, it's very, very important that you start taking note of Of what those triggers are because Mm -hmm. if you're at this place in your life where you know Lexi and I kind of are we have done years of like okay well what happened before what was the antecedent what Mm -hmm. what happened right before Um, and so I really encourage you if you are struggling in this way to start writing things down also start looking at the calendar Mm yeah start journaling start looking at the calendar because I know for me I'm very cyclical For years and years and years, my episodes would happen in February for-
0: I have them in November.
1: Yep. Um, So just try to start taking notice of that because if you don't have any data to start, you won't be able to get anywhere. You can't just try to fix your symptoms when you don't have any baseline data.
0: Exactly. And it's helpful too when you like go to see a therapist Mm -hmm. and you have data, like you have actual stuff to say like this happened here and this happened then like when you're writing things down and it helps you to process it more too. Um, and I think I mentioned on like one of our first episodes the bearable app um, that I oh, also yeah. use it tracks symptoms, moods like uh, medications, activities, all of this stuff and so that's been really helpful for me like I can go back and I don't even have to really go back anymore just by tracking it, I can be like, oh, I didn't eat a single vegetable today. And my energy level is really low. Like I'm like, Okay. And so that's kind of helped to reinforce that. Like all these things that we do, like showering and eating well and stretching and exercising that are really hard. And you don't want to do when you're depressed, reframing it as like, this will make me feel good. So I want to do it instead of, I have to go eat. I have to take a shower
1: so that's a carolinism for me is that she um I I used to be very much like I have to do this I have to do this I have to do this and things started really changing for me when because when you say you have to do something it immediately inputs guilt it immediately puts more stress on it and it becomes dooming right so if you say it would be nice if Mm -hmm. it'd be nice if I could take a shower It'd be nice if I could do this, but if I don't, the world's not going to end exactly. so that you take that. And then if you do do it, you can be super proud of yourself. You're like, wow, that was nice that I could do that. Um, so yeah. I think that's a really nice way of reframing those. I have to do these. Yeah. Another a thing I saw was um, on the tickety talk, I think, <laughs> um, if, if people with depression or ADHD and you're in paralysis to half-ass something. Mm-hmm. So, half-assing leads to whole-assing and yep. uh, um really literally been effective.
0: I did that with like brushing my teeth because I'm really bad with my dental hygiene and so mm-hmm. like there was a day I went and I washed my face and I'm like I'm already in the bathroom like I should brush my teeth and then the should makes me guilty because I'm not gonna do it but I got the toothbrush wet and I just went in my mouth real quick and I was like better than nothing Yep. And so yep. then like, it makes it easier to use toothpaste the next time or do it for longer or boss. And so like, do it, even if you can't do a little bit or do all of it, doing a little bit helps. And that's like been super helpful. And cause like chores have historically been really hard for me too. And so right, like, we're
1: executive dysfunctional
0: bitches. Yeah. Yes. And so like <laughs> unloading the entire dishwasher feels really overwhelming. So I often will do like a few things, a bowl, mm-hmm. a plate and a handful of silverware and then walk away and then the next time I'm in the kitchen I'll do more. And then that and so then like you have these little bursts of serotonin when you're completing part of the task throughout the yes. day. It doesn't feel as daunting. Um kind of getting a little off track, but it's all related yes. to helping to keep things in in the forefront of your mind. And that was something to like um recognizing is a lot of what I talked about with my therapist. So I was actually really self sabotage but, like, not in a terrible way. I had therapy scheduled on Monday, and Monday was a holiday in Massachusetts because of the marathon, the Boston marathon, um, and wasn't, that was when I was starting to feel really bad, and it was, like, I scheduled it for after work before I remembered that I had that day off, so it was, like, 5 p.m., and so for me, mm after a day of sulking and sitting around I don't want to get on a call and do therapy so I mm-hmm. lied to my therapist and I hate that I do this because I could have just been like hey I don't have it in me but I was like oh hey I have a meeting at work I can't make it It doesn't make difference. <laughs> I still have to pay the cancellation fee so like what well, I should just tell her the truth but I didn't go to therapy on Monday and then like called out of work on Tuesday and Wednesday and it was just oh this was a really rough rough episode I like so what does it do to your mental
1: health when you have that moment of like, I need a call out? Because I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with.
0: Yeah, this, I mean, this is still something that I'm working on because like I even wrote in my notes that I felt really ashamed about needing to call out, even mm-hmm. though like I'm such an advocate for my mental health. And so like right. part of me feels like a failure because it's like, oh, like. I talk about how I work on my mental health. So I shouldn't need to call out, but like, that's counterintuitive. Literally like, the point. Yeah. Being in touch with your mental health is being like, okay, I know I need to call out. I need to take rest today. Mm-hmm. Um, And I used to, like, I would always lie. And I still do sometimes Um, about your symptoms. Cause like, I feel like physical ailments are more acceptable so I usually will say I have a fever or I am like have diarrhea because no one questions that when you say you're shit in your pants
1: um, <laughs> true, true true
0: so like and then I would like I mean even with this I was open with my new employers from the get-go about my mental health and like I was like you know I'm working through some things and all of this but like when I emailed him I didn't check my email for the rest of the day I was like hey I need to take a mental health day and out of anxiety avoided seeing what his response was for the rest of the day yeah even though he was fine about it and then like and the then that builds day,
1: on your anxiety
0: yeah and the second day was even worse because I was like fuck I have to take another day like they're gonna think that I'm incompetent and like I just started this job a month ago so I'm already calling out two days in a row after a three day weekend. And it just so happened to be, I called out on 420 as well. So <laughs> in my brain, I'm like, he just thinks I'm a lazy stoner. And I didn't smoke weed at all on 420 because I dissociated and stared at the ceiling for five hours.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So like in my head, I'm like, Oh my God, he just thinks I'm calling out cause it's 420 and I'm a lazy loser stoner. And I don't know how to do things. And like, you know, I, I get really up in my head about it and it it's really hard and like i think that's where being transparent about things really comes into play and it's i know i have some privilege in that aspect too because yeah. um not like especially people in like service jobs if you're at a if you're a server or you're a barista or you're a delivery driver like you don't have as much flexibility to be able to call out a lot of times you don't have as much pto because they're usually part-time jobs or the benefits are suckier because you know our country treats workers like shit. and so Mm -hmm. i acknowledge that i have a lot of privilege there that like it is um a cushier more white collar job where if i call out it's not the end of the world and other people can Cover the slack and the fact that we're like a startup, so like it's not like a giant corporation. We can kind of make the rules as we go. Um, I also think that you
1: should challenge yourself to well or just remind yourself that you set. Although yes, privilege is absolutely involved in that. Mm -hmm. You also set your conditions up. You set yourself up to have a job that was, that was conducive for your mental health. So you shouldn't write that off because you know, you did that on purpose. You said, this is the route to my best mental health and my best self. And you did, were able to effectively like reach that goal. So yes, you're right. And okay, I, I, that girl.
0: I do I guys can that. hear
1: my baby in the background in this episode.
0: <laughs> it's okay. We might hear my horny cat screaming again. So, um, but yeah, I, I do still want to check that privilege though because even though I set myself up for those conditions there are certain people that don't have the ability to do that. Right, they can't and, even yeah, reach that because and, of the privileges that yeah. And I like oh, there's so many people that I follow online and like I'm really into uh, following all the union organization happening with Amazon and Starbucks right now and just like nope. there's so many people that don't have that option like they literally Have applied everywhere, and I was in that boat too. Like, I was at Starbucks for three years, and it was terrible for my mental health. Yeah, and I applied to like hundreds of jobs. I spent two years straight job hunting, um, and like was doing everything I could. So, don't if you're listening to this and you're like, Well, my job, I can't do that. I don't have like, don't beat yourself up, don't judge yourself, do what you can to support yourself and take care of yourself, and that's all you can do, right? Um,
1: So In terms of, I kind of just want to like bring it back to your episode. In terms of physicality, walk me through what happens physically so that people may be able to, you know, kind of connect with with all of that.
0: And so this is going to change, honestly, from episode to episode. Sometimes I have very similar symptoms and other times they're like I've had some new things pop up as well. Um, But typically when I'm having a depressive episode, my biggest symptoms are like numbness and dissociation. And Mm -hmm. it's so hard to describe that. But if you're listening this and you've experienced it, like you totally know what I'm talking about. But like numbness, like, because I feel like I'm feeling everything, but it's just like muted. Right. Like I have all this sadness and all this dread and all of this. Um, uncomfortableness, but like I, I don't care about doing anything about it. Right. Kind of like resigned to the fact that this is what it is, and like, yeah. I mean, I literally. So an, an example of it was I was watching TV, and I kind of put on a show that I like to fall asleep to. So I was planning on taking a nap. So I rolled over, and I was like, I had my eyes closed, and I was listening to it, and who did that thing where it paused because I uh, had been watching it too long and I could hear it pause. And then I was like, oh, I kind of want to turn it back on so I can keep listening to the show, but I didn't. And then I heard my TV turn off and I was like, oh, I could roll over and I could turn my TV back on, but I didn't literally sat there and with my eyes closed, laying on the couch for five hours. I was just so numb. My body felt really heavy. Like it was hard for me to move. Um,
1: And and that's miserable. I mean, the fact that you were able to get out of that is amazing. And I think that people who are listening who have not experienced what Lexi is talking about, it is a very difficult thing to explain. There is just no um, peace. There's no fixing it. Um, For me, if somebody said like, oh, let's go do all your favorite activities. No, no. So no thanks
0: because it's just like I don't have the where am I going to get the energy from
1: right I and then you have feel it yourself be
0: awake.
1: so you're very literally in a mental paralysis and it feels like um either a miracle has to happen or a tragedy has to happen and I know like for myself I catastrophize things and I'm like well, this will all end if I go to the hospital, like it'll have a big bang, you know, mm. that's not really something I do, but those are like my, those intrusive thoughts that come. Yeah. So I mean, aside from the, the kind of the numbness and um, dissociating, And what do you mean? What is your dissociation, dissociation
0: like? So for me, when I dissociate, I, it feels like and I, this is going to be different for everybody too. Right. Uh, and like, yeah, exactly. I dissociate associate in different ways at different times, but this past episode, it felt like a really out of body experience. Like I would feel like I was like floating above myself and I could just see myself laying there. Like I was a spectator, but it's also like, I wasn't thinking about anything. I wasn't looking at anything. Like I I was just there, but on pause is what it feels like for me. Like right. if I was a TV show, someone would pause me and I'm just sitting there waiting for someone to unpause me. Yeah, and I, that's a I great analogy. Like a lot of people have their eyes unfocused sometimes. My eyes mm-hmm. do that when I'm dissociating. Like they unfocus. Oh, so like yeah. I can't see anything. And so like, I really have to like, refocus my eyes and like get back into it. Like, and do will be like, I can hear things happening around me. Like I know stuff is happened, but like, it's just like, everything has been tuned out.
1: Right. Um, right. You literally just don't have, it's honestly like your, um, fight or flight has completely stopped. Yeah.
0: You're in freeze mm-hmm. mode. Your body freeze. freezes and you're just kind of like, okay, we're not going to do Here anything. We are. Um, yep. So I have a lot of that. I also, I cry a lot when I'm in my depressive episodes. And I think that's just, you know, I cry a lot anyway, but I definitely do hold it in sometimes. Like I don't want to cry when like things are fine. And so I think yeah. I'm holding a bunch of stuff in and just kind of letting it out. Um, but I end up having brain fog. Like I can't focus, which is why I didn't go to work. Like I right. I'm an engineer now and I'm doing like really, intellectually challenging work and I was like I like can't even write a sentence to text someone right now I was like how am I gonna go and do like make nanoparticles today and so like my brain it just feels mushy and like right it was just I felt so alone too and like one of my I isolate a lot like I had actually Allie had texted me and I like or I don't even think you text. I, we have been texting pretty regularly and I didn't text her for like three days. And I was like, hey, sorry, I like haven't been on my phone. I was letting my phone die. I was like putting it in the other room. I, I literally didn't go on social media for like three days straight. Um, Wasn't texting oh. anybody. I was just like, and I pull into my, and then that makes me feel lonely and I feel like no one cares. And it's like, I'm the one not reaching out. I'm not telling people I'm not doing that. And so it's like this whole, it's a mess. It's really like, If you scribbled on a paper and just like did a big scribble ball, that's kind of what everything feels like.
1: Right. Um, So how did you,
0: oh, go ahead. No, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, so
0: how were you able to effectively get out of it? So, and this is something that is really new for me. I allowed myself to feel that way. I feel like in the past I have been really fighting it. And trying to be like, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to be upset. I don't want whatever the case was. And then that would always make me feel worse because I was like, not feeling I was avoiding and trying to shove it down. And so, you know, I was like, really tried to talk to myself. I was like, I, it's okay that I'm taking today. I took the day. I literally just didn't do anything. I wasn't like, I'm going to try to like eat vegetables and do all the, I just let myself sit in the suck and we're going to, have a whole episode on sitting in the suck and like why that's important, but I like really let myself feel those feelings. And I reached out, like I was talking to my partner a lot and like let him know that I needed some extra like physical attention and I needed his help with like some chores. And I I did the half-assing thing. So there was like, mm-hmm. you know, Alex was cooking and I felt bad because like I hadn't done anything for three days. So I got up and I started like doing some like a little bit of chores for literally five minutes. Then I went and laid down again. But like, I started throughout the afternoon getting up and doing like a thing here and a thing there. Um, I also scheduled an emergency therapy appointment, which, you know, cause I ghosted my appointment on Monday and I scheduled another one. Luckily she had a cancellation. Um, so it was a lot of like, you know, talking to people around me, relying on a lot of the skills that I've learned. Um, and just kind of, so, I mean, now we can get into like my therapy session a little bit and I know where I wanted this to be short and it's not short. <laughs> <laughs> it's shorter than our typical. <laughs> yeah. And so like um, therapy was really good. I've raved about my therapist. Teresa is amazing. Um, but one, one of the isms from this session that she gave me was, you know, if you have a laptop or a car or a phone, that gets overheated what do you do with it and I was like well you put you turn it off you try to recharge it you let it cool down and then you go use it later and she's like so you don't like pick it up and try to keep texting people or try to keep driving down the road with your engine smoking and I was like well of course not Uh stupid she's like okay so you are like your phone or you are like your car like, does it make sense for you to keep trying to use your brain and do these things when you are overwhelmed and overheated? And I was like, well, no, you're, it's not, that's not a good idea. <laughs> right? And you're like, well, you bitch, you're onto something. <laughs> but, and so I was like sitting there and I was like, you know, I felt it coming and I wasn't doing anything to fix it. And she was like, okay, but you recognize that it was coming. So you're recognizing it. That's something you couldn't do a year ago. And then she was also like, and you took two days. Like the second day you were like, I'm still too exhausted. I can't go back. So you let yourself recharge instead of trying to push through it while you're overheating. Mm -hmm. So like she's, and that's, I mean, another reason why I really love therapy is because it's very validating and affirming yes. you, all of the things that you're doing well, because when you're in a state like that, all you can think of, and I know it's generalizing and I'm, uh, but I feel like for most people, the negative stuff takes over completely. Yeah. Um, so she really checked me and she was like, Hey, where is this coming from? Like you're doing a good job. You made two years ago, we wouldn't have even been able to talk about this. Like, yeah. so we did a lot of talking about that and like Um, we're also going to get more into this when we talk about different types of therapies. Um, but we do IFS, which is internal family systems. And that is essentially, um, the idea is that we have all of these parts in ourselves, um, that come up when you have certain emotions. So like, and this is especially true with people with trauma. Like if you had some trauma happen when you were a child, you're going to have very, very young parts that come up a lot and like you mm-hmm. know this is going to be like when you feel like things aren't fair you're like i don't want to do something like that's your inner child coming out and being like i don't feel safe my needs aren't being met so this is how i'm feeling right. um so a lot of our work is i have a big feeling and she's like okay so what part of you is this and where is this coming from right um and so we literally she would like she'd be like okay stop i want to talk about what you just said so she she'd say where is that coming from and then i would literally just sit there I would like write in my notebook, like what I'm thinking. And I'd be like, okay, so who is this like, that is feeling this way. And so there's this idea that you have all these parts, some are protectors, some are, um, you know, exiled. So like things that like, you don't want to feel, or you don't want to deal with like the protectors push them away. And the whole idea is to like, tell your parts, like these younger parts of yourself that you are safe and you are taking and to get them to trust you so that you can Mm -hmm. be a more whole person. And you don't have these. So you're not like, well, one part of me wants to do this. And one part wants to do this. And one part wants to do this. So like, you're not feeling pulled in a thousand directions.
1: Right. Which can be really, really overwhelming when you're already in a depressive state and that's already happening.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And so like, you know, I was really struggling and she was like, so where is this coming from? Cause I was talking about work and how I feel like Part of my episode was coming from work because I'm stressed out about this new job. And she was like, okay, so where is this coming from? And I was like, well, it's hard. And it makes me feel stupid because it's hard. And she was like, well, why, where, where is that coming from? (laughs) Why? And so like, I really sat there and I was like, well, you know, growing up, I always had to be perfect. And like, everything had to come naturally to me. And if I struggled with things that was, you know, I would get not punished, but, you know, verbally abused or put down yeah. or yeah, not praised. And so there was actually this post I shared on um, our Instagram and I'm going to pull it up and read it out really quick because it was literally like it hit so hard. And I think that's where a lot of my issues were stemming from with this particular um, episode. So um, okay. So this is actually from a page that I have some problems with. It's the holistic psychologist. Um, oh. She does put out some good stuff, but she's also does not acknowledge privileges and so su- she's not super uh. intersectional in some of her work. So I unfollowed her, but she still does have some good things.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so this one was a, were you the golden child? And so I'm reading this all directly from it. Um, the golden child is the child that becomes responsible for the needs a parent or for the overall success of a family. That begins early when a child has something viewed as an asset by the family, sports talent or academic achievement, or like, you know, their beautiful beauty pageant type crap. The child becomes a vehicle for the parent's self-worth and this creates a ton of pressure for the child to consistently perform and they learn that they're only worthy when they win or when they're the best. The child's achievements fulfill a parent's low sense of self-worth, but only temporarily. So the child must continue the cycle and begins to develop a feeling of never being good enough. Perfectionism, ding, 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 becomes a coping mechanism. The golden child is highly self-critical, chronically focused on surface appearance, and is usually hyper-individualistic, meaning they struggle to ask for help. The golden child becomes ultra competitive placing parental validation above everything and denying their own needs as a result the impact of being the golden child is you're unable to make decisions without a parent as an adult you are a chronic people pleaser fierce, fiercely competitive very strict with how they eat live do everything just as their parent was can be very authoritative or controlling in relationships can be very critical of other small mistakes and has a lack of sense of self and what they actually want and need. So let that yep. sink in.
1: Let's let that sink in for a sec.
0: But that literally is like my whole experience and what a lot of my trauma stems from. So not only was my mom um, one of these people that kind of put her success on my shoulders, like took my success and took it as her own. But yeah. I also had um, a, an abuser that was molesting me that was a parental figure that did this same thing, but then also brought in like the re- quote unquote relationship aspect because he molested me for three years. So like it was not only a parental figure, but also like this partner. I don't want to call it a partner because we weren't in a relationship, but he thought we were.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So, he, so he had these like, you know, like- you're, you're not, if I didn't do things that he wanted that was exactly perfect for him, then I was a failure. So I've internalized all of this. And if I don't get something the first time, to me, I feel stupid. I feel inadequate. I don't feel good enough. And so, like, she asked me a simple question Where is this coming from? And all of this stuff is coming to this. Yeah. I'm sitting there, like, in silence, and I just start crying. And she's like, Okay, so what's going on? And we talk about it. So it's literally yeah. just thinking about, like, you know, And she said this too, um, I don't know where it is. I can't find, I have a lot of notes written down, Um, but it was basically something along the lines of, actually, I don't even remember now. I forgot what I was saying because I was trying to look for it. (laughs) So we might cut that out too. Um, But But, oh, here's a good ism too. I felt responsible for filling in all of the gaps in my life, anything that was missing or wasn't there. I felt like it was my job to fix it because I was parentified. Yeah. So I feel that's carried over to my regular life. And so like, I think starting this new job where it's a lot, a huge learning curve, a very steep one. Um, yeah. I haven't been in industry for a while. Like everyone around me has a PhD. I just don't feel as smart as everyone. And like, it's, I'm trying to do my best. And like, it was just a lot. I was very overwhelmed. Um, but therapy helped a lot. Um, we talked a lot too, about how I need to communicate more, um, to my boss about like what I need. And this was a part where I was like, well, I don't want to do that. Like, why do I have to say what I need from him? Why do I have to explain that? And so that was my inner child that came up. That's like, I don't want to do this. Like I've been doing this my whole life. But then I literally wrote down boundary and underlined it like three times because that is me setting a boundary. Telling someone what I need at work is setting a boundary. And I was like, oh my God.
1: Exactly.
0: So I actually, I have a meeting, a goals meeting with my boss on Tuesday. And I'm I'm going to be like, look, I need more communication. I need you to tell me when I'm doing a good job. I need You did not just give me verbal directions because I have auditory processing issues because of my trauma. Like I need stuff written down. I need to see a big picture. So like it was a really good session. Um, Oh, I remember what I was going to forget, what I forgot earlier. She said, all feelings and emotions are a message. It's trying to tell you something. So instead of trying to fight all of your emotions, like I was trying to do, letting yourself feel them, getting curious about it. Where is this coming from? And then like trying not to judge yourself with that. So we're going to get into a lot more of this, you know, as we talk about good therapy sessions that we've had and like types of therapy and all that stuff. Oh, something else I wanted to talk about too. I was feeling really down on myself because this was a really rough episode. And I think, um, something I've noticed is that my episodes have gotten more intense but they don't mm-hmm. last as long. Right. Um, like I mentioned, I had an episode really for a whole year where I wasn't doing anything except my job and that was really it. Um, and now I had this episode where I couldn't do things for two days. I wasn't talking to people for two days. And then like, I was able to come out of it. So over time, like, you know, it's more intense and it's because it's kind of condensed into a shorter right. time. Yeah. And that was something my therapist said too. She said like, IFS, the type of therapy we do is like shaking up a snow globe. Yep. Once you open that door and you're like, oh my God, I ha- I'm i feeling all these things. And like, where is it coming from? So like, you're in this chaos inside your head, but it's like, everything is, it, it feels like it's moving so slow at the same time. So it was just like a really good analogy as well. But like, now that we're doing this work, things are going to get shaken up a little more easier and it's going to be a little chaotic, but it will settle down. And that was something too, that helped me a lot was reminding myself that this isn't permanent and right. is not yep. going to last forever. And I actually think you had said that to me, Allie. So, and I, we say this to each other all the time. Like, I feel like we just kind of spit it back and forth, but Allie yep. texted me and she's like, how are you? And she was like, affirming me. Like she was proud of me. And like that I was doing a good job and I was doing all the hard work. And she's like, and remember, this isn't going to last forever. And I think that that's been one of the more helpful things for me over the past few years is even because when you're in it, it feels like it's going to be forever. forever. You're like, yeah. I don't even remember what it felt like to be happy. I don't know what any good feelings are. Like, I only know dread and misery and sadness. And yeah. and so reminding yourself that like, I've gotten through every bad episode, like there are going to be good things like I have something to look forward to really helps too. So I know that was a lot of word vomit
1: but that's okay. That's what we're here to do and I am very very proud of you and I think that one of the most difficult things with episodes like these are the feeling of being alone yeah. and they perpetuate if you are alone um yeah. and that is definitely something that I struggle with all the time because one, I am a single mother. I Mm -hmm. don't have a partner that I can, you know, kind of put my head on their chest and feel okay. And the fact that you are able to remember to use those resources is Uh amazing, you know, because like it it is not an easy thing, even when you have people around you, that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to use them. I mean, yeah. I'm a big case in point at that. I will hide and hide and hide for months on end because I just don't know how to initiate asking for help.
0: Yeah. So I and think it's- Go ahead, finish what you were saying.
1: Uh, I was just going to say, I think it's great that you are able to share this and I vote that we call these the dark days episodes yeah. and we'll- we'll have some mini sodes on our dark days because they happen, but yeah. light days come back.
0: And that's like something I think about too, is we, cause I'm always like, you know, I wish I never felt this way. I wish I was never sad or depressed, but like, if we didn't have that, like we would have nothing to compare the good things to either. Mm-hmm. Like there is no darkness without light. There is no mm-hmm. light without darkness. Yeah. Um, and,
1: and it makes us more compassionate, empathetic human beings. So
0: it does. I'll and I that. think that's also I mean this just reaffirms why we started this podcast too because I hope that this makes people feel less alone that like okay. if they are experiencing something similar that like you're not the only one and like there is hope that
1: right
0: things will get better and like even when they are better you'll still have shitty days and that's okay and that's part of yes. the process yeah um, so and this was really hard like I was going back and forth I was like do I want to talk about this like Oh, this is so hard. Like, I didn't want to be this vulnerable because this is literally like the shittiest part of me. And like, I, but I felt well, like it was I'm really saying annoying.
1: something because that's not even very shitty of you.
0: <laughs> Thanks. I don't know. And to me, it feels like the shittiest part of me because I feel like a failure and like a loser and like a waste of people's time. Um, so but you're not, and you're back, and yeah. the next
1: the next time it happens, you'll be able to use all the same skills. Yeah.
0: And it will hopefully be a little easier. And even if it's not like, it's part of the part of the challenge. So yeah.
1: Oh, all right. Well, thank you for sharing all of that and being so vulnerable. Yeah. Um, join us for our next episode soon. We are behind the scenes talking patreon we're talking all kinds of things so um we're talking merch you got some some things with uh bees and chubbies on it so keep listening please and thank you for sticking with us
0: yes we love you guys we wouldn't be here without you um so keep trying to get through those Mentee bees and
1: stay crying in those chubbies
0: we love you bye bye Thanks for joining for another episode. You can find the podcast on social media, on Instagram at Cryin' and underscore pod, on Facebook at cryingandtryingpod, and pod, and on Twitter at crying underscore trying underscore pod. You can also find me personally on Instagram at Lex underscore G-O-N underscore give it to ya, and that is the number two. If you'd like to email us, our email address is Cryin' and pod at gmail.com. Feel free to send us questions, comments, episode suggestions, or any other feedback you have. I truly love interacting with the listeners and your input is vital to helping the show grow. If you know anybody who would benefit by listening or who could even be a great guest, please share the podcast with them. The best ways to help a small independent podcast grow is to rate, review, and subscribe so other listeners can find us. You can also help by liking, commenting, and sharing our posts on social media to help grow the community. If you'd like to support the show with a small monthly donation, you can do so on our podcast page. This is just a placeholder until I'm able to get our Patreon up and running, but every small donation is appreciated. I'm also a proud member of the PodPros community and utilize PodMatch to connect with many amazing guests. This podcast is researched, produced, and edited by me, Lexi Hamsmith, using Anchor by Spotify.